0: The big day is almost here, and maybe you're one of those people who gets everything taken care of, all of the shopping and wrapping and baking, well in advance, so that the last few days before Christmas are all about spending time with friends and family, or cozying up with a favorite movie. Or maybe you're the type for whom all of that last-minute hustle and bustle is part of the excitement and anticipation of what's to come. No matter if you're at one of those extremes or somewhere in the middle, the season and the countdown and the day itself is a time for reminiscing and creating the new memories that you'll reminisce about in years to come. The traditions that define your family, the warm memories from Christmases past, the stories of relatives who have come and gone, but who live on through those who keep those memories alive. I love telling you the stories behind your favorite Christmas traditions, but even more than that, I love sharing the stories behind you. You and your Christmas past. One of the most consistent pieces of feedback I get about this show is that people love hearing the little anecdotes and traditions that listeners share in these episodes. Some are funny, some are touching, some pull at the heartstrings. But they are all uniquely your own. And special. And important. And worthy of sharing with others for whom Christmas is a special time of year. So, I'm very happy that for the third year in a row, I received more memories from you than I had episodes to put them in, and that means that I once again have the very special privilege of presenting an episode dedicated exclusively to you. When I was growing up in Massachusetts, one of the things my family would do is pile into the station wagon, and this was the 80s, so it had those imitation wood panels on the doors, and we'd drive around looking at Christmas lights. It's such a simple thing, but it created a memory that I carried with me to this day. And that's something Peyton can relate to, as she recounts here.
1: My, uh, (laughs) my mom and I always visited Florida over Christmas to see my grandparents. And recently we moved down here to take care of my grandpa, who sadly passed away last March. But, um every single time that we came down to Florida we always made sure that we went and saw the lights at this neighborhood called Victoria Park where they would go full out with all of the lights on every single house and you couldn't walk in there without seeing a candy cane and a snowman within two feet of you and it was so bright there that it almost felt like daytime and it It was always a really warm and happy memory that we always did together. And it's without fail something that we continue to do every year.
0: Now, of course, some of your most cherished memories probably involve a gift, whether it's one you gave or received, or maybe it's one that you saw someone give someone else. And maybe it wasn't the kind that's found wrapped in paper and placed under the tree, like the one that Melanie in Utah describes.
1: Growing up, we lived on a dairy farm, which meant that every day, whether it was rain or snow or even Christmas, my dad woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and went to milk the cows, which took about six hours, so until 10 o'clock in the morning. That meant that I had never had my dad there with us on Christmas morning, and he had never seen his kids see what Santa Claus had brought because he was out milking cows. And it made me feel bad that my dad was always out by himself on Christmas morning while we were inside enjoying the magic of Christmas. Well, one Christmas in particular, I rushed into my parents' bedroom to tell my mom what Santa Claus had brought us because we were always stinkers and would go see what Santa Claus had brought without her. And my dad was laying there in bed with her, which is a sight I had never seen on Christmas. And so I went into my parents' bathroom and there was a sticky note on the bathroom mirror that said, Merry Christmas, go back to bed. And that was written by my sweet teenage brother, who was willing to forgo one of his childhood Christmases um, of enjoying what Santa Claus had brought him and enjoying Christmas breakfast so that my dad could be there in Christmas morning with us for the first time in my childhood. That is the most perfect example to me of what family love is all about and what Christmas is about, about giving what you have, whether it be a gift or whether it be an act of service, giving it so that others can have more on Christmas. I'll always feel the spirit of Christmas when I think of my sweet brother out there as a kid himself milking the cow so that his dad could be in enjoying Christmas morning on that special Christmas day.
0: But of course, most of the gifts we give or get are material things. And say what you will about the relationship between Christmas and commerce, but many gifts become prized possessions and become part of new memories. But sometimes a material gift is more than just a thing. Sometimes it helps to keep the magic and mystery of Christmas alive and represents the lengths that people who love each other will go to in order to make sure that those loved ones are happy like the gift that John in Cincinnati received when he was a child.
2: Uh, Possibly my favorite Christmas memory was when I was about seven years old. What I really wanted was a brand new bike. However, I knew my parents could not afford one because they could barely afford food, let alone a, a new bike for Christmas. I knew my only chance of getting one was to ask Santa. And I was getting older wasn't 100% sure Santa was even real, but I asked him anyways, and to my surprise, on Christmas Day, I ran into our living room, and behind our Christmas tree was a brand new orange and black colored bicycle. I knew my parents didn't buy it, they didn't have enough money to buy one, Um, and I knew they didn't ask anyone else because they don't like to take free handouts. So I knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that Santa had brought me that bicycle. And I'm 27 years old now, and I always ask my mom, "Uh, so how did you get me that bicycle? And She always simply replies, uh, every time Santa brought it.
0: Now Santa keeps all of his gifts at the North Pole, but if you're a parent, one of the challenges of giving large gifts like a bike or a seven and a half foot G.I. Joe aircraft carrier is where to stash it until it's ready to go under the tree. There's an old saying that getting there is half the fun, but if you're talking about getting from the attic to the ground, and you happen to be Craig's dad, well, why don't we just let Craig
3: tell the story? This is Craig Kringle from the Weird Christmas Podcast. I was one of those privileged kids of legend who asked for and received the 7-foot, 6-inch long G.I. Joe USS Flag aircraft carrier for Christmas. Now, when I asked for it, I didn't really expect to get it, not least because I wasn't even sure if my room had seven feet of floor space in one direction. But when I was 10 or 11, that dream came true. But that's not the memory I wanna share. It's my dad's memory. See, our house wasn't huge, and we lived in Texas, which means no basement for storage. The only place to hide the thing was in the attic. And apparently, my parents actually took off work one day while I was at school to buy the thing and haul it up there, which was no mean feat. I don't know how much the box weighed, but they told me that they had serious trouble getting it up in there. A few years later my dad told me what happened when they tried to get it down. They didn't wrap it for me because it was so huge, I mean I would have known immediately what it was. Instead they waited until Christmas Eve night when I was asleep to get it down. Now my mom had always had back problems and they were really acting up that night so my dad was going to have to get the thing down himself. The attic ladder was in the garage, and this was one of those few December nights that was actually cold in Texas. So mom was inside still, and dad was by himself in the garage. He climbed up the ladder, maneuvered the massive box so that he could just support it while it kind of slid down the ladder, and well, it slipped. Thing is though, it slipped sideways. One corner cut a ladder rung, so it didn't go crashing, but the full weight went quickly sideways. And at that particular moment, sideways meant directly toward the edge of the attic opening. This had pros and cons. The pro was that it didn't crash, destroy the toy, and wake me up. The con though is that my dad's head was in between the box and the edge of the attic door. My dad was basically hanging from a toy vise on his head, with one foot barely keeping him on the ladder. And the thing was steadily crushing down, he said. My dad's a pretty calm guy, though, and he realized he couldn't yell for my mom again because she can't really help with her back. Plus, it's Christmas Eve, and they're trying to be all sneaky. But he's got a headache that's getting worse by the microsecond, and a concussion isn't out of the picture yet. So somehow he managed to wedge his arm up, push the thing to the other side of the opening, and ended up on the ground of the box in one piece, and only enough banging and vigil cussing, to make my mom slightly concerned. G.I. Joe had always been my favorite toys. I knew my parents were worried about violence and war toys and whatnot, but I don't think any of us expected that the toy would literally threaten my dad's life. That thing was awesome. I'm glad I didn't know how close it had come to doing Dad in, though. My 11-year-old self probably would have thought, yeah, but it was worth it. Merry Christmas.
0: Again, that's Craig from Weird Christmas. You can find his show wherever you get your podcasts and look for him on all the socials. Well, let's transition from G.I. Joe playsets to plays. America never really adopted the idea of Christmas plays, but they were once very common in the UK. They still are common there, but just less so. Maybe it's because people find them boring. Well, maybe Sarah near Liverpool can shed some light on that.
4: Hi, Brian, and hello to all listeners of the Christmas Past podcast. As you can probably tell by my accent, I am not from sunny San Mateo where the podcast is produced, I'm from the United Kingdom, more specifically I live near Liverpool, but I can assure you that Christmas is a big deal over here too. For me, the best part about Christmas is the time spent with family that you usually don't make time for. Every year my immediate family, my cousins, aunt, uncle and my grandparents come together and celebrate. Drinking, playing games, and enjoying each other's company. When we were younger, it was tradition for me, my sister, and my cousin, to put together a Christmas play that we performed for anyone that would pay attention. I remember one year, my Nan fell asleep during our performance, and we stopped putting on shows after that. Christmas was such a highlight of my childhood, that each time it comes around, I can't help but get just as excited as I did when I was younger. Merry Christmas to you all, and a Happy New Year.
0: Well, one thing that's never boring is the anticipation of the big day to come. Especially if you're a kid. Counting down the days, having trouble falling asleep on Christmas Eve, getting up early on Christmas morning, and, if you have a mischievous side, getting a little sneak peek of Santa's delivery. Like Abby in Pennsylvania.
1: Hi, this is Abby from Reading, Pennsylvania, and my favorite Christmas memory is that when I was little, me and my older sister would wake up before my parents, sneak downstairs, see all the amazing presents that Santa had brought, and then go through our stockings and carefully place everything back in our stockings. And our parents never figured out that we did that every year before we acted surprised when they saw us open our stockings. Um, That's definitely my most cherished memory, even though I don't remember most of my gifts. I remember doing that with my sister.
0: Now, one of the unfortunate things about Christmas is that sometimes it's just not possible to be in the place you want to be or with the people you want to be with. Money. Geography, health, the kind of job you have… Any of those can make for a Christmas that falls short of that ideal, cozy celebration. So the key is to find the opportunities where you can for making the most of the situation. Like Mike from Florida did some years back.
5: Kids, depending on what you want to be when you grow up, sometimes you might have to work on Christmas. For a long time, I worked in a local TV newsroom, and since television doesn't stop for holidays, I found myself working many a shift on December 24th or 25th, sometimes both. But Christmases at work were never boring to me. They often felt like small, joyful gatherings, usually including catered Christmas dinners in the break room. But on one Christmas Eve, on the year I first moved to my own place in a new city a thousand miles away from home, I wanted something very specific, something that had become a family tradition on the night before Christmas. Chinese takeout. I don't remember why or how it started, but around 1989 or 1990, which would make me nine or ten at the time, I remember going with my dad to pick up our order and I remember the Chinese restaurant had bright neon signs and Christmas decorations all over the place. To my tiny kid eyes, it was a strange little wonderland hiding in the corner of the shopping plaza. And it left such an impression on us kids that next December we said, remember when we got Chinese food last Christmas Eve? Can we do that again? And I've done it every Christmas Eve since. But it almost didn't happen that one year. Perhaps I had planned and later forgotten to get takeout before going to work and I found myself very internally upset for a few minutes over my silly family tradition. But thankfully, a coworker pointed me to a very important fixture in every newsroom binder full of takeout menus. I found the closest Chinese place, gave a ring, ordered delivery, and I think I tipped generously. I honestly don't remember, but let's just assume I earned my spot on Santa's nice list. I'm certain that delivery guy did for saving my dumb little Christmas tradition.
0: Mike is the host of the Advent Calendar House podcast, a salute to holiday specials you can check out my guest appearance from earlier this year where we discuss the animated feature the cricket on the hearth. Well, now it's time to close this episode out. On evenings like this so close to Christmas, it is of course common to get ready for a long winter's nap with a reading of A Visit from St. Nicholas. I could do that, or I could share a different poem, an original one filled with Christmas memories, like this one from Jeff in Ontario.
6: My name is Jeff from a city on Ontario and let me tell you of my Christmas scenario. It's December 25th and things are in full swing. Presents are wrapped but we're missing one thing. I touch a tradition that blossomed from a brilliant girl. My sister to be exact. A great idea. A true pearl. So every Christmas night I'll stumble in after a drink with my mates. A celebration to Christmas and the good times it creates. I sneak through the house with jolly and cheer. For presents are stacked under the Christmas tree. Santa's left his mark this year. I hide little secrets to bring a smile to their face. It's a Christmas tradition I truly embrace. The morning lights bring a new sense of joy. The ones that you'd feel as a kid with a new toy. We rush from our beds and meet in the living room to begin our day. My family listens quietly to what I have to say. I hand them a rhyme, a clue to begin. On a hunt for Christmas presents, a great chance to win. Each rhyme leads you to a place in the house to find a clue. With seven members of my family, the house turns into a zoo. Each rush to return as it means an extra treat, because answering these clues is no small feat. They return in time to tell of their hunt, of breaking clues from ice blocks just out front. We wrap up things and family grabs their coffee and teas, but never do they forget Christmas traditions like these. So from mine to yours, I just wanted to say, have a Merry Christmas season and a jolly Christmas day.
0: I want to thank everyone who shared a memory in this episode or any of the previous episodes this season. Thank you for letting the Christmas Past family get a glimpse into what makes Christmas not only special to you, but also uniquely your own. And here's hoping that this Christmas brings all of you some new memories worthy of sharing and reminiscing about in years to come. I hope that for all of you, and especially for Lizzie Asphodel in Minnesota. Lizzie, I'm wishing you all the warmth and magic of the season, and a celebration filled with love, laughter, and time spent with loved ones. Well, my sugar plums, there is only one more episode to come before the big day. I'll be back again to wish you a Merry Christmas and take a look back at Christmas of 2019. And take a look ahead at what's to come for 2020 because just like last year, I've got some surprises in store for you. Before I let you go, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Look for Christmas Past on Twitter and Instagram, and do make sure to join the Facebook group because even after the Christmas season is over, the Christmas fun is still going strong over there. And if you're feeling the Christmas spirit any time of year, One of the best gifts you can give me is completely free and takes only a minute. And that is to help this show grow by telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Both of those make a really big difference. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I will send you a Christmas Past sticker to say thanks. Message me for details at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com or on social media. As this Christmas season is winding down, I am wishing you all the very best, and until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.